Sunsets from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. I'll just hit a couple of things. Um, I'm not going to go into a message because I don't feel that, you know how it says that the glory came on the temple and the, the ministers couldn't minister again. That's where I'm at now. I'm not, I don't want to talk anything my own. I just want to speak what is in the heart of God. It might not come as a message, so please just follow me, track with me very carefully. You know, our whole existence is not coincidental. You see, you must view your life as a very intentional entity. In Jeremiah 1, God said to Jeremiah, before you were conceived, I knew you. And then I ordained, he says, before you are even conceived in the womb. You know, whether you are pro-life or anti-life, the fact of the matter is, the argument is, when does a fetus become a human? So, the pro-life people will say it's at conception, right? The anti-life will say it's when it has a leg and one thing. That's like one month or two. God says even before all of that. You know, so there are some arguments that are meaningless when it comes to God. Those things are meaningless. His own is before you are conceived. I knew you. That means you are an entity in his mind. You are an idea in his mind. You weren't just an abstract. You didn't, it's not Big Bang that brought you. You are a, an existing entity in his mind. And he had ordained you for specific things. So when you go through life, you know, the, the, the thing about life is the rat race just pulls, sucks us in. And we think the only thing in life is to be able to send your children to school. First, marry. If you don't marry, it's as if the whole world is ending. Then when you marry, you must have these children. If you don't have it, you are not anything. Then when you have them, it's to be able to afford and then buy a house, at least one in Lagos. Then progress and say, maybe I should buy one in London and maybe a, and a small flat in, in New York. And then you feel life is worth it. It's not worth it. It's more than that. Because when God, Jesus did not come to die for you to have all those things. He came to have that you have eternal life and those things are added. We need to get the program right. So in God's mind, he had specific things in mind for each one of us. So the question that must rile you is what is that thing? So that question, that is the service theme, is what I've been asking myself. Because you can be the highest, you will still be asking yourself that question. You never outgrow God. And if you have achieved something in God, there's yet more. Joshua said before that there's yet more land to possess. They had, killed, they had taken over 31 nations, but there was yet more land to possess. Acts 17.26 It says, He made them from one common origin, one source, one blood. I'm reading the Amplified Version. It says, all nations of men to settle on the face of the earth, having definitely determined their allotted periods of time and the fixed boundaries of their habitation or their settlements, their lands, and their abodes. So you see, where you live, the family you are born into, the things, the nation you are born into. So all of you who want to denounce Nigeria and go, God didn't send you. 
he made you Nigerian. There's a reason. So you can run all you like. Nigeria will follow you there. He will follow you there. The problem you are running from will meet you there. You see, it's so important that you are where God planned for you. Because the place he has planned for you, there's provision. Everything you want to achieve and attain in life, it is there. Isaac in Genesis 22, no 26, it says there was famine in the land. And God said, you know, he said, I will go to Egypt. Because his father Abraham had done the same thing. And it, it makes sense. If there's no food, you go where there's food. Abi, it's rational. But God said, don't go. Stay in this land and I will bless you. And he stayed in the land. It was not easy because in a famine, Israel, if you know anything about the terrain, is already dry, desert land. Then on top of that, they have a famine. So there was no water. Water was scarce. At times like that, it's a major resource. Ordinarily, Israel needs water. But in that time, it says they dug wells. They found water. There was contention. It happened again. But he dug again. And he found Rehoboth. It says the Lord has made room for us. But what strikes me most is he didn't stop digging. Even when he had found room. Because he kept digging. His men dug again and they found Beersheba. Which is the place of the springing wells. The oasis. The place of abundance. And so that teaches me a principle. Especially around prayer. Keep pushing. Even when what you are expecting doesn't come. Because there's that place of the breakthrough of, the, of Beersheba that you come into. And God caused him to thrive. And it is in that scripture you see that he went forward and he prospered and he grew. More prosperous. That's where God defined his wealth. And so, I'm trying to make you understand that wherever you are, whatever you're going through, God is mindful of you and he had certain things in mind when he made you and your whole purpose in life must be to attain that thing anything else is a failure so you can have all the money in this world that's why the bible can say what does it profit a man if he will gain the whole world and lose his soul that's the question god is asking us in this time what are you called to not what is your calling what are you called to let's look at Ephesians 4 I just want to quickly put two, two things in place and then we'll pray Ephesians 4 11 to 14 and I'm going to read the Passion Translation scripture we know so well is a scripture that circumscribes the ministry gifts and it says when Jesus went it says in 11 and he has appointed some with grace to be apostles and some with grace to be prophets and some with grace to be evangelists and some with grace to be pastors and some with grace to be teachers and their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry and as they do this, they will enlarge and build up the body of Christ. These grace ministries will function until we all attain oneness in the faith. Until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God. 
and finally we become one perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed in the abundance of Christ. It says, and then our immaturity will end. And we will not be easily shaken by trouble, nor led astray by novel teachings or by the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. And you know, so many of us have pitched our tent with the five ministry gifts. And so, the other day in the National Assembly, a certain um, senator got up and was saying something like, he quoted a scripture. I can't remember the scripture in one, and then they cycle in pastor. This is the pastor or the person that was involved in one scandal, sex toy, something shop, one, you know the person, I won't call any name. But you know, we are quick to accord titles to people. God did not call people to titles, He called them to function. But more importantly, the function is not to be an entity to yourself. It is for one singular purpose, to bring the people into maturity. So King James will say, to equip the saints. I love this version, the way it, it, it lays it out. Their calling is to nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. So you're not, it's not, you're not meant to be up there and then everybody is down there. You're meant to bring people into the place where they even go beyond you. Jesus kept saying, this works I do, greater will you do. And so for me, the problem is, many are called to become apostles. That's the calling many of us want or desire, is to be called apostle, to be called prophet, to be called evangelist, to be called teach, uh, pastor, or to be called teacher. So if you don't fall into any, you feel you're not called. Lie. They call me pastor. But I'm not, I don't feel any of those five. I mean, I'm pastoral in nature because that's just who I am. But I'm not called pastor because I'm, it's a function for me. But let me share something to, to help release some people into one place. 1 Corinthians 12. And I, and I encourage you to go and read 1 Corinthians 12 very well. You see, the first thing we are called to, every believer is called to, to come into the body, into one body. And in that body, you read 1 Corinthians 12, read Ephesians 4, the prior verses, it all speaks to one body. That's what God wants, a body. We are baptized into one body in Christ. The strength is in the complete body, not in any of the parts. So we are members in one body. No member is more important than the other. And you see that scripture in 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the eye, the toe, the leg. You can't do without the other. And I always say, the appendix is one one organ that doctors have never been able to tell me what it's for. But until it's problem, troubling you, they will say, take it out. And I ask question, what does it do? They can't tell you. But until it has a problem, they say, leave it. Obviously, there's a function now. God didn't just make something by mistake. And then you know how you just, in creating things or designing things, there's one mistake. You just put a cap on it. And when you ask, what is it? You just, God is not like that. Everything has a function. One day we will know. So every part of the body is important. God doesn't see a part. He sees the body. And so the first thing we are called to is to come into that body. And let me just lay a few scriptures. First Corinthians 12. Please go read it. But I want to read a few verses. 
14 says, For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Verse 18 says, But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. So the key thing is not your existence. He pleases what you do. 20 says, But now indeed, there are many members, yet one body. 22 says, No. Much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. 23 says, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable. It says, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable unpre 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 parts have greater moderate modesty. Now, I'm reading this to help put, and that's why I said I don't have the time to unpack some things, but go read the scripture. What strikes me the most is the first part of 1 Corinthians 12 is where we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, right? And that's where a lot of us anchor. We want to manifest those gifts. But in verse 11, I think it is, what really hit me was where he said, he gives to them as he pleases. The same way he says here that your, your, the body is for at his pleasure. Everything about us is at God's pleasure. And it's for the reason. So you need to know his will to fulfill it. Please follow me and track. I'm, I'm going somewhere. But what really helped me break out of this thing about the fivefold ministry? I'm not saying they're not important. I'm not saying they're not necessary. They are needful because there are different dimensions of God that need to be brought in. So you need the. So is everybody meant to be an apostle? No. But is everybody meant to be apostolic? Yes. Is everybody meant to be a prophet? No. But is everybody meant to be prophetic? Absolutely. Moses said, I wish that all will prophesy. Is everybody meant to be an evangelist? No. But everybody must be evangelistic. <laughs> is everybody meant to be a pastor? Definitely not. So it must be pastoric. Pastoral. <laughs> hey, no, I want to eat all the way. <laughs> And then, is everybody meant to be a teacher? No, but we all must be teacheric. The point I'm making is, there are aspects of God that we all must manifest. But it is not the manifestation that makes you more important than the next person. Because the concept of the body is each one fits into. And the best illustration for me is Ezekiel 37. Or 36 or 37, where the dry bones, it says they came together bone to bone. Imagine have to find the bone that you're meant to connect to. That whole process is, 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 is amazing. So I'm, I'm looking for anybody who will illustrate it in a, in a movie that will show the bones just locking in. It will be an interesting thing to see because the bone, how many bones are in the body? Does anybody know? How many bones? How many bones? All the biology students who failed. <laughs> There are hundreds of bones in the body. But imagine all of them locking in. And then the body takes shape. That's what is in God's mind. Not the individual bones, but the entity that comes out. 1 Corinthians 12 there, 27 to 31. Help me break out of this thing. Because you feel um, unqualified if you don't fall into any of those five. I've always known what my gift is. But I never knew it was in scripture. 27 says, now you collectively, and I'm speaking from the Amplified, are Christ's body. 
It says, and individually you are members of it. Each part, severally and distinct, each with his own place and function. So 28 is a parallel of, from 28 is a parallel of Ephesians 4. So God has appointed some in the church for his own use. First, apostles, apostles or special messengers. Second, prophets or inspired preachers and expounders. Third, teachers. Now, hold on. Ephesians 4 says, prof, apostle, prophet, evangelist, prophet, and pastor, and teacher, right? It says, apostles, prophets, then it says, teachers, then wonder workers, then those with ability to heal the sick, then helpers, then administrators or speakers, and then speakers in different unknown tongues or diverse tongues. I know my gifting, my greater gifting is not about being a pastor. It's about helps and government. That's my greatest gift. That's where I thrive. Early on, I recognized that the, great, the greatest gift I bring is encouragement. So if you are down and feeling whatever, you speak to me and I will, you will lift, you'll be lifted. It's just a grace God gave me. I don't understand it. But even when me, I'm going through a problem, you come with a problem, I will encourage you to be solved and then go back to my own pain. <laughs> so I know that I, I never thought it was such a gift until I read the scripture. Then it released me. I'm not trying to be anything. I'm apostolic. I'm prophetic. I can teach. But those are not my core gifts. And I don't feel bad. You need to know yourself. More importantly, you need to know what you are called to. Because what you are called to defines the gifting in you. Remember in 1 Corinthians 12, 11, it says, He gives as He desires. Too many of us, so in the end of that chapter, it says, covet earnestly the best gifts. What is the best gift? Some would say, you know, because you see something, you want to manifest, you want to walk in wonder, healings, you want to walk in miracles, you want to uh, prophesy. So you covet that. as the, Who says it's the best gift? When you read the story of Joseph, he manifested at least three of those gifts. Word of, word of knowledge. Prophecy. Word of wisdom. So in situations, you will manifest the right gift. So if your prayer is for a specific... In fact, there's a day I had a personal experience. I was praying about certain things. I'm like, when I was in Abuja, the church I, I, go, I still go to there, very prophetic and they are seers almost everybody just they see anyhow i never see anything i was like ah. there's a day pi bobby and uh, shola adiola came and shola first time seeing angel there i'm like see guest to me i'm here i've not seen this angel how far but there was a day i was at a particular door that god like rebuked me and said there's a i've given you something walk in the one i've given you and he pointed me to the scripture that he gives as he pleases. And that where you begin to covet something, you miss the mark. Because you don't know what you need. He knows. So you need to pray to him to reveal to you what you need so that you can walk in it. And so I stopped and repented. Because I know, for instance, I may not see, but I can sense. So I, I can sense different dimensions of God in a place. So I can sense that. So I don't know, I, 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 if, if I have a seer near me, I will say, they will tell me what I'm seeing. 
you must be comfortable in who you are what you are called to defines what you need to fulfill too many of us are just roaming around and you will never feel complete there will always be a void because only god can fill that void second thing we're called to and those are the two things i just want to highlight revelation 1 6 says we are kings and priests that christ died and he gave his life that we, we might be kings and priests and i and i want to underscore this because again many of us feel inferior because we are not in any of those fivefold ministries the dimension of the king is not second nature or second class it is as important as the priest but what God has called us to is to a dual nature of king and priest or priestly king. So you are meant to rule and you are meant to be a priest. And it says of Jesus that he came in the order of Melchizedek. And if you remember Melchizedek, I think it was in Genesis 14. He says he was the king of Salem, but he was the priest of God. And Abraham paid tithe to him. Tithe was instituted in Levi, Abraham's descendant. But Abraham prophetically gave tithe to Melchizedek. That is the place, the order God has called us to. And you do yourself a disservice when you think, I am not in any of those, so I'm not, I'm not called. So too many people equate calling to ministry. But guess what? Life is ministry. Everything about life is ministry. We talk about the seven mountains. What are they? The only one that has anything to do with church is religion. The mountain of religion. But the mountain of arts, entertainment. The mountain of government. The mountain of media. The mountain of, what again? Education. Family. We are meant to be kings. No, a king is one who is a top gun. An expert in an area. And so I say to people, if Lionel Messi says something, everybody will listen. He's a king in football, but he can shape opinion. Someone once said that if Michael Jackson preached from the pulpit, many people will give their lives. So they're kings in different spheres. That means we must be experts in our areas. I see too many Christians feel that except they are spiritual, in quote, as in quoting scripture, praying, they are not, they can't be anything. And so in their jobs, if I, if I, if I walk in an office and I see you reading your Bible during the office, I will chastise you. Because that's not the time to read the Bible. The thing that God sent you there for is to be a light. You can't do wrong things and expect people to follow you. No matter how spiritual you think you are, even if you prophesy from here to tomorrow, people follow what you do, not what you say. So the first sermon that must touch people is your life. So you are called to be kings in anything. Bezalel and Aholiab, when God said to Moses, build a temple, in Exodus 30 or 31, he says, I have called Bezalel and Aholiab, who are craftsmen, skilled in every 
any way and they will build this temple for you. You see, if you are skilled, if you are equipped by God, they will look for you, even if they hate you. Case in point, Daniel. He served under four different kings. Even when they didn't like him, they had to call him. So Belshazzar, the son of Nebuchadnezzar, when he was drinking from the cups and the, 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 the um, instruments of the temple, he was having a party, a wild party, and then a hand came on the wall and wrote. None of the wise men could interpret. It was the queen mother that said, there is a man in whom the spirit, the God's dwelling. She didn't like him, but said, call him, he would decode it. And he did. When Nebuchadnezzar had a dream and nobody could interpret, he said, kill all the wise men. And they were going to kill all them. They came to Daniel. He said, why is the king hasty? Just tell him to calm down. And then he went to the king and said, give me to tomorrow. He didn't know the answer, but he knew the God who will give the answer. You see, there are things you will do in the places you work that will make you noted and called for. But the one they will deceive you is they start calling you pastor. It's not the pastor. Don't begin to feel, don't be proud in, as Sako will say. But retreat into God. That's what gives you the ability to stand. I want us to pray and I'm, not, I'm just going to jump on a few things. What, what God brought to my mind about that fourth anniversary service was what he said about Ecclesia Hills, the halfway home, the concept of a halfway home. And I heard it, I didn't know it, I had to go and research it to be able to speak about it. It's a place where, so if there are people who have been into drug addiction, they put them in like a program in a, in, not in an institution but in like a home setting where they are trained to come back to integrate to help them reintegrate into society and what I saw was that that's what Ecclesia is meant to do it is bringing because we come with different levels of ex, um, um, exposure to God where many of us have been in many places but it's a place that brings like a healing stream that's why the worship is the way it is you keep coming not knowing why you're attracted. The music, the music, it, so there's a word God gave me once, waves of glory. That's what the, mu the music is like. They just come at you. They bring calm. You know, if you, had, if you sit at a beach when the tide is coming in, it, the waters just come in, they go out, they come in. It's very soothing. And that's what God does. Each one, the music, the word, they wash. They restore. Restore it, my soul. That's what the house is meant to be. But it is not just for you to enjoy it. It's to equip you to push you out. Not necessarily out of the house, but out there. So I know, because I remembered when Ecclesia was going to start and Pimo we spoke. And that, it just started bringing a lot of things back to mind. Um, when I said we should appreciate that people, I know why. He knows I know why. He's gone on a journey. Many of you can't even understand. You can't even begin to understand. The level of sacrifice, you can't understand. 
but it was just out of being obedient and determining I will not go in the way I went or was exposed to. Those were things he calibrated. He's never said that to me, but I know. He made that covenant with God. I will never go that way. So that is one thing that pushes him. And that's why God honors with his presence the way he does. Now, what I'm, I want us to come into that place where we understand one, it is important you understand what you're called to. Ephesians 1, 18, 17, 18 says that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened and that you will know what is the hope of his calling to us, Word. Kenneth Hagin prayed that for months before he came, he broke about six months before he broke into what God really called him into after he had done years and years of ministry where he hit he broke into his ministry was when God he prayed that for some months that's a prayer you need to take to heart and begin to pray Lord reveal to me because you see once you know of a certainty this is what God has called me it will it will eat you up you will not you, you'll be in a, um, in, in the scripture it talks about the word being like fire in my in our bones that's what God will bring to you you need to come into that place second thing is you need to master all the giftings that are needed. So Bezalel and Aholiab did not become um, experts by chance. It wasn't by the spirit. The spirit didn't just drop it and then they became experts. They went through the process. God is a God of process. Jesus, you know, we, we always say Jesus, Jesus was God. Was God. Jesus was a carpenter. Was a carpenter. He went through 30 years of no ministry. Then suddenly he just came from nowhere. God is a God of process. Identify what he's called you to. I'm going to build the competence that is needed. And mark me, it's not just about spiritual things. It's about if there's a field he's called you to, whether it's government, whether it's power sector, whether it's whatever it is, become an institution in that area. Do everything you need to do to become an expert, be one that will be called. Because when the way God works is an opening, something comes that there's a need to bring a solution, they call you. That's how it happens. That's how it happened for Daniel. The third thing is a radical obedience. There are things God is going to call you. See, when he reveals to you what he wants you to do, there are things he's going to call you to do that will shake you. You will question, is this God really? But he will bring you to the place where when he says do, you do, whether you know what is happening or not. Keep those three things at the back of your mind. I just end here. I've tried to compact many things into a few minutes. I, I don't feel the need to speak long because this work God is doing but one thing I know, and it's proven out in the atmosphere we have. When people said about rivers of healing, I know. If I what amazed me is the way I was feeling when I watched that fourth anniversary, is the same thing that happened. God is looking. There are things that many of us 
that drive us. Fears, memories that just make us who we are. And many times, the strongholds that face us is not someone, again, it's your mind. Things that either you've gone through something and you tell yourself, I will never fall into that situation again. And it becomes a stronghold and you don't know. So there are many deep-seated things in hearts that God wants to deal with today. Let me put seal on the spot a bit. Don't fear. When I first, the first time I met seal, um, I went to tribe. That's when Spirit highlighted her. And I just, I know it was an Easter service. And I went into that service with one thing in mind that what I felt God was saying is you pray for everybody. That I'm, it, it, the song that Nathan Abbasi had played, the resurrection and the life, that he's going to ret- literally resurrect lives in that place. And so I was to pray over everybody while that song was playing. And so I began to do that. But I, I, I didn't want to just pray generally. So I was asked, what is that one thing? Because I trusted that God would drop things in hearts that day. And I'm talking of intractable things. Things that, you know how you, there's a thought that you lock in one place and throw the key away. And you, it doesn't come up for years. So things that when you were five years old, something happened. You're now in your 30s. The thing doesn't even feature. But it's there. It's one thing that drives you. You don't know. And then something breaks and it opens up. And so that day, I just felt the Holy Spirit highlight seal and say, I'm walking on her. And I would see her. I would say things to her once in a while. Um, and then before the um, Pleasant Fragrance Conference, I said to her, you know you are ready. That God has completed the work. And I said, do you know? She said she knows. Do you know really? <laughs> But I know that she never shared with me anything but I know there was something very deep that God was working and he, he, he works in the quiet but you come to a place where you can't really put your finger where things shifted but you just find you break into a new day that's what I feel God wants to do today so I don't know what it is that is in hearts this morning but I want you to open yourself there are things that you probably have even given up on that could never happen again. God is able to. He's able to do. So this morning, I just wanted to shut your eyes. For some of you, those things are coming to mind. I want you to just trust God again. Lay them at his feet. And say, Lord, I'm ready to trust you again. For some, you have been going through a season where you can't, you just feel an agitation. You can't really put your finger on it. But you just know something's pushing you and you just feel this heavy sense of dissatisfaction. On the external, everything is fine. You are, you are hitting those numbers. You are doing things they are doing well to everybody but you know deep down something is not just right and you can't put your finger on it just release yourself and say Lord I open myself to you 
Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org. 